Hello and welcome to the New Life Lutheran Podcast, where new life in Christ is celebrated and we explore together how to live the Christian life with excellence. I'm Eric, Discipleship Pastor here at New Life Lutheran Church, and happy 2019. Today on the podcast, we are continuing our conversation with myself, Tim, our youth director, and Pastor Ben, our lead pastor, on reading scripture, meditating on scripture, and how scripture transforms us. If you have not listened to the first part of this conversation, I would encourage you to go back and listen to the first part so that you can be caught up because we start right in the middle of the conversation and we get going right away. If you have any questions, you can email me at erik.anderson at nllutheran.com. We look forward to doing another Q&A podcast here in a few weeks. And so if you could email me some of your questions about the Christian life, about evangelism, scripture, worship, church, any of those issues, and we'd be happy to sit down and discuss them. Our podcast is hosted at nllutheranpodcast.com. You can subscribe to our podcast at iTunes, Spotify, Google Play Music, and Podbean. Thanks for listening in today. Let's get growing. Tim, you you mentioned something that I want to circle back to, because I think it's kind of the key to um, I think it's the key to reading scripture, is that when we read the Bible and we read the new the old and the new testaments, we are not just trying to gain information from them, because they are not just basic instructions before leaving Earth. It's not just it's not just a book that's supposed to tell us what's right and what's wrong. It does do those things, but it doesn't just come out and say it. It gives us stories and poetry and all these sorts of things that we have to explore and find those things out with the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And so you use this word meditation a couple times. Um, And I think that it's, uh, that's kind of a weird word for us today because we think of like yoga and, you know, Eastern religions when we think about meditation. To meditate is a biblical word. I mean, Psalm 1 tells us to meditate on the scriptures day and night. Psalm 119 talks about meditation on the scriptures. So why don't you guys uh, just walk us through what is meditation? What does that mean? How do we do it? You know, and I think in meditation, um, when Tim was talking, I, I was just so glad that Pastor Eric clarified that because our natural mindset goes to everything we've seen in movies, yoga, and, you know, sitting cross-legged somehow, if you're that flexible and pointing your fingers towards heaven, you know, we just, that's what we think of. And, uh, but the truth is meditation is just ongoing focus on one thing, right? So when you're meditating in yoga, you try to clear your mind and focus on nothing. When you meditate on scripture, you're focusing on one thing. And this is actually how the best sermons are produced. And so I had someone come up to me and say, how long does that take you? And I say, typically over eight hours, if I want it to be good. I'm like, what? You're only talking for 20, 30 minutes. But what we do is it's a process of meditation. So you come in, you know, as a pastor, you come in like a week before or even months before, depending on the series, and you read through that scripture over and over and over and over again. And then later on, it's amazing. You'll have these crazy epiphanies as you're still thinking about it, like in the shower or when you're talking to somebody. And then you run out of the room and you write it down because your best thoughts come to you because you're meditating on it. And God just, for some reason, unveils that truth through that process of just letting that focus stay right there on one thing 
over and over and over again. So meditation is really just clearing space to focus on one thing, one truth, one thought, and just letting that kind of roll around in your mind over and over and over again. And for me, it's not necessarily sitting in silence. Sometimes it's just being intentional about getting that scripture back into my mind. So it continues to roll around in my brain. And then, like I said, I'm getting up in the morning, I'm brushing my teeth. And all of a sudden I have this epiphany I'm like, oh, whoa, that's unbelievable. Like that truth was, is way deeper than I thought. This is why it applies to my life. This is why it applies to these people's lives. And this is why it can transform people's lives. And that's where the sermon comes from is from just letting that truth permeate my mind. And yeah, that's going to take some time. So that's what meditation is just ongoing focus on one thing. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. Uh, as Pastor Ben kind of spoke about what meditation is. And I think the main word is just being intentional about that one thing. It's not necessarily just sitting down in one place in the dark with your knees crossed and all legs crossed or whatever. Um, no, it's just being intentional about what you've read in the Bible or just one word. So one thing that I actually really like to do is I'll take one word, just a word of the day. So it could be grace, it could be glory, it could be power, and I'll just meditate on that word and with that word, let's just use layman's terms, I'll think about that word frequently. It'll kind of just start to unravel and it'll start to reveal what this word really means and how I can um, use this in my everyday life. Yeah, the uh, in scripture, when the word meditate is used, it's almost exclusively in the Hebrew Bible, so in the Old Testament. Um, and the Hebrew word for it is hagah, which means to recite or to mutter or to murmur. But it's used uh, for a bear growling over its prey and a lion eating. So so we can think about how, how a dog enjoys a bone. That's how we're supposed to enjoy scripture, process scripture. So... When we hear that word meditate, what in the Hebrew mindset, that would have been to repeat something out loud over and over and over again and to have it memorized and to repeat it out loud over and over and over again. So now we, we, have, we have books, we're literate, those sorts of things. So it looks a little bit different now. You guys both said it, but it's to return our mind and our heart to a particular phrase or a particular verse or a particular paragraph. Um over and over and over and over again. And so that's exactly been, I think you and I kind of have a similar approach when we, we've talked about this before when we prepare sermons, that we try to have all of our study, all the information done in the first day or two of the week. And that way we have two or three days for it to just sit in our minds and for that passage just to sit in our hearts. And we'll think about it and think about it and think about it. And then finally the writing will happen later in the week. Um, after a couple of days of just thinking about it. And so I think that's, I think you guys both like nailed it, that it's just this constant returning to and thinking on and dwelling on a particular passage of scripture or even a particular word um, in a passage. So right now I'm memorizing Psalm 95 in my, that's what, that's one of my disciplines right now is memorizing Psalm 95. And that's a way to meditate on scripture is to memorize it is to repeat it to yourself over and over and over again. So that's what I'm doing right now um, is, is doing that. And that's kind of how I meditate is I try to memorize scripture or get pretty close to memorizing it. 
And then that kind of forces that meditation. It forces that remembrance. Um, I'll put little tunes to, to verses um, so that I can, I can sing it instead of just like trying to remember the words. I can remember the tune. Um, so that's another way that I actually meditate is by just like singing little tunes of scripture. And that helps me memorize it as well. Um, then those things are, are in your heart and not just something that you're reading on a piece of paper. So how do you guys meditate? What does that look like for you guys? Well, Tim, you shared. Ben? I think in general, uh, the picture that came to my mind is, I don't know, I'm, I'm a huge House fan. I don't know if you guys ever watched House. So Dr. House, like, he solves these crazy problems in 45 minutes without commercials. It's very impressive. Uh, but he's a diagnostician, and so his job is to, you know, see people, diagnose them, and solve these amazing issues they're dealing with, and he's the best, right? So that's the TV show. At the beginning of the show, there's a problem. And then he goes on, and he's trying to solve the problem. And then he just lives his life, but he never lets go of the problem. He never lets go of his focus. And so one of the things you find him doing is he's playing with his tennis ball, and he bounces it off the wall and catches it, and then he just repeats this over and over and over again as he's mulling through this problem. But then it's in the everyday life when he has his epiphany, and it kind of comes around and he figures it out. And I think that's a beautiful picture of, of scripture. I think sometimes we, we do the speed reading thing. We think if I can just read a bunch of scripture, then God will unveil this little bit of truth. And sometimes that's a good practice, you know, to read through a full swath of scripture. But sometimes this idea of meditation is, is even more fruitful that you take a verse or you take the sermon from Sunday and you take that scripture and then every day you just kind of reread it, rethink about it, digest it, and then internalize it. And once you have it internalized, that's when you're playing catch with your son, you're walking down the aisle in Walmart, you're driving your car, and then it's just like, whoa, now I see where this truth plays out in my life. Now I've internalized it. Now it's changed my world. And I think that's one of the beautiful practices that we do here at New Life is we try to be intentional about that, and we want people to really take the Sunday sermon and internalize it throughout the week because we know if they put it into practice, if they hear it and they put it into practice, it's going to become a permanent part of their life. And that's why on Sunday you hear the word read, you hear the word explained in the sermon, you hear it applied to your life. On Monday you get the discipleship moment. Maybe you read it Monday, maybe you read it Wednesday and it asks questions, right? So you read a new thought on it. So it's a re-meditation of it. You ask the questions that can work all throughout the week. And so it brings you back and it brings you back and it brings you back and it brings you back. And by the time you get to Friday, Saturday, you're like, whoa, this is a truth. And this is how I live it out. And this is how I play it out in my relationships, my marriage, my friendships, that person who cut me off, that person who's in front of me in line at McDonald's that for some reason is ordering 17 meals and taking their time doing it. And that's when God's truth just becomes internalized. And what's internalized? That's the meditation, that's the process of meditation, and that's the mode for transformation. And uh, we have that in play and available, even though we don't get so specific about what we're really doing, but really we're providing a tool and a process for meditation to lead to real transformation. So I want to explore that last statement, Pastor Ben, 
where there's an underlying assumption that we all have. We believe that scripture does something to us, that through the Holy Spirit, something happens to the person that meditates on scripture. And our word right now is transformation. That's kind of the, that's what we're all about is transformation here in New Life. So how does the scripture bring transformation in the life of the believer? How does that happen? Well, we've talked about this many times in our sermon, and we kind of reiterate this truth, but we see in Romans that that we are transformed by the renewing of our minds, which means we're transformed when we begin to think differently. And when we think differently, we act differently. And so what that is, is being open to God's truth, letting it sink in, and slowly over time, letting it change you. And when you when it changes you, then you experience that transformation. So I don't I don't think it's rocket science. It's really just hearing new truth, understanding new truth, and letting it actually do something in your life. And that's just not rejecting the Holy Spirit. And and many times in life we have truth that we know. We just don't let it affect us. Like we all know that it's better for us to eat a lettuce salad as long as it's not romaine and uh, than it is to eat like McDonald's, right? We we all know that. We know that. Uh, but if we don't do it, it's not going to, it's not going to improve our health, right? And the same thing is true of scripture. We know if we take that truth and let it affect us, like it's promised to us in scripture, right? We will renew our minds. We'll think differently. We'll act differently. And we will engage with people differently. Our marriages will be transformed, everything. And I think the problem is there's a couple things going on there. One people, they hear it and they don't put it into practice or they hear it and then they don't continue coming back to the buffet of God's word. It's like they learn one thing and they improve in one area and then they just walk away. I mean, God has this amazing plan for your life of transformation in every area. But the only way you can experience it is when you step back into God's word over and over and over again. One time is not good enough. It's not good enough. This is an ongoing, uh, ongoing solution that God has for your eternity and for your life. And so to step back into that consistently, meditating on it every day, that's where that transformation comes in because that's when your mind will be changed. And that's when your life will be changed. And that's where everything that you step foot in, around, touch, sense, engage in, all those areas can be transformed. So uh, to loop back to what Pastor Ben said um, about Romans chapter 12, verses 2, we we're talking about transformation. It says, do not copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And as we allow God, when we read God's word, when we meditate on God's word, we have to trust that it will transform uh, the way we think and the way we learn and then also the way we, we live and so as we continue to talk about meditation, talk about what the Bible actually does for us, this is what it does for us. Uh, and we know these truths, one, because uh, these are words from Paul and letters to the Romans. And um, as we continue to, to read, as we continue to study God's word, uh, we'll see these truths um, happen in our lives. So there are two passages in the New Testament that really explicitly lay out some of the things that the Bible does to us as we meditate on it. The first one is Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is living and it's active and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And it's sharp enough to pierce the dividing space between bow and marrow to, to split between soul and spirit. 
And so I think the first thing that happens to us when we read, maybe not the first thing, one of the things that happens to us while we read the Bible is I think that we're confronted with our own issues. So we read about the fall narratives in Genesis 1 through 11, uh, about Adam and Eve choosing the forbidden fruit, choosing the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Um, And I think in my life, man, I want to decide what's right and wrong for me. I probably would have made that same mistake. Or we read about Cain and Abel um, and the jealousy of Cain. When we go on and we read about these different fall narratives, we kind of put ourselves in in that place and we say, oh man, I would have done that same thing. So I think that's what, when Hebrews says that the scripture is sharp enough to divide soul and spirit, I think one of the things that it does is that it confronts us with our own humanity. It confronts us with our own issues. And it also confronts us with some of the good things that happen with humans, some of the beautiful things that can happen with humans. So we can find ourselves in the place of David as he's struggling throughout his life and as he's struggling with different things in his life. We can find ourselves in the place of Paul as he's laboring for God. We can find ourselves in these characters and we're confronted with our own humanity within these characters. So I think it's sharp enough. It does it does the work of really good art and really good literature and that it shows us something true about ourselves. Um, unfortunately, most of the time, that's not great. <laughs> most of the time that shows us that we're, we're pretty fallen. And then second, it's second Timothy, that all scripture is God breathed and that it's useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting and for guiding us to life. And so I think that's the other thing that it does is that it, it helps teach us about God, what he wants from us, what he expects from us. It teaches us about him, what he's done for us. So we are confronted both with our own humanity and we are confronted with God's promises and God's love for us. And so it actually helps us rely not on ourselves, but rely on God. And so I think that lots of times good Bible reading actually leads us to prayer, where as we read and as we read about his promises and as we read about his mercies in both the Old and the New Testament, we're led to pray and we're like, we're spurred on to closer relationship with him because of his goodness. That's something that changed in my view of the Bible and how I read the Bible was that this is, this is supposed to be a self-revelation from God for us to get to know him better. Like it's meant so that we can be in relationship with him through Jesus Christ. And so I think that that's one of the ways that it brings transformation. I think one of the crazy things that happens with people and, and Eric alluded to all these characters in the story, in the narrative, even starting with Adam and Eve, that, you know, they didn't have the Bible, but they had God there speaking to them. A, a God who created them, a God who knew them inside and out, who knew everything about them, and yet they still rejected his truth, and then they experienced the negative result of it. And we still do that today. And it's so crazy to me. I mean, I do it too. I'm not exempt from this. That now, in the modern age, we literally have God's story right in front of us, his truth, that can pretty much heal almost every controllable issue in our life. Uh, not only just our eternal, but our temporal, temporal, and we have it and we ignore it. And then we keep experiencing the same consequences over and over again, which is the height of stupidity. And I'm not judging anyone listening or anyone in this room that we just do dumb stuff. And uh, I think oftentimes this goes far beyond, you know, far beyond scripture. I mean, this is every area of our life, isn't it? I coach baseball at the local high school and you have this kid come up to you. He's just, to be honest, horrible, right? His parents still love him and I try to, but he, you know, let's just say he's just awful at baseball. Typically, this is also the kid who won't listen to you. And you're just like, come on, if you just listen, you could play. 
and you got to feel like, like God is like coach, right? God is up there. He's like, if you would just listen, I would heal your marriage. If you would just listen, I would heal your finances. If you just listen, make better judgments. I'm ready and willing to give you wisdom. All you have to do is ask. I can show you in my word and just imagine what you could experience. I think he's like that. He's like, please, please, please let me help you. Sometimes we just don't even read it. We don't put forth a little bit of effort to engage with something that the early Christians would have died for and did die for. The entire Bible in one collective composition is unbelievable because they viewed it as so powerful and potent. The words of Christ penned down and they would hide them and the Romans would come and slaughter them because they were so special. And in the modern day, we have all those things. We have God's word to us, willing and ready to heal us in almost every capacity in our life. And, and we're like a high school baseball player who's been sitting on the bench for four years and goes to his coach, you know, just don't tell me how to do this. I'll, I'll figure it out. I've got this figured out. If you just give me a chance. And, and the reality is we don't. We keep screwing it up and we keep wasting our time and failing. And uh, this is a whole historical narrative. It began in the beginning, continued all the way through the Bible. And we live it out today and we see it in our peers. We see it in ourselves. And it's really just unfortunate because we just miss out on everything that he has for us. 